Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hey, what's up, monkeys? Before we dive into this is the intro to the intro, but before we dive in, you know, with the coronavirus and everything that's going on right now, it's just there's it's nuts, and I just wanted to send out the good and wild vibes to the monkey family and just let everyone know we're here for you guys. Whatever you need, just reach out. Not necessarily guaranteed we can deliver everything, but if you just need to reach out to someone, we're here for you guys. And I'm trying to be real consistent with the training, do the lives on Instagram and just keep the the energy up. You know, a lot of monkeys, I've been getting tons of messages and videos and photos of stuff, getting out their gear and just kind of making the best of the situation. And like I've said before, I just think the most important thing is just to remember that we're all in this together. So the more we can help each other, it's just going to help us move forward and get through what is the darker time. So, you know, on the one hand, it's, 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 uh, it's horrible. People are dying and just, there's kind of chaos, but on the flip side, you know, it is, I have seen, and I am seeing people being brought closer together People seem a little bit more grounded. I'm hearing from friends and people I haven't heard from for years. So I think if we can focus on these positive elements, again, we're just, we're going to keep moving forward and we could even be come out better for it. So keep that in mind and moving on to intro number two. What's up monkeys monkey Dan here and welcome to episode number 51 of the live wild or die podcast. I've been wanting to do this episode for like years. We've got the wild man of the North monkey Earl and Earl and I met way back in 2014 through none other than the internet. He was an OG monkey backer of the original monkey bars and we chatted a ton. He's actually written several articles that are up on the monkey.co website adventures with Earl. Check them out. And I actually went and stayed with him in 2017 to scout for the monkey venture we did that year went surfing in the Norwegian sea Earl and I jumped in the ocean did some Wim Hofing Arctic style and yeah he's just a wild man and what what I always have appreciated about him since we first met is he intentionally moved to this chain of islands called Lofoten it's above the Arctic Circle they are 100% wild and he moved there specifically to be closer to the wild and just be more adventurous. So I've always really respected and appreciated that about him. But what's also important to know about Earl is he's essentially a doctor. Things are a little different in Norway's with schooling and all how that works, but he's essentially a doctor. He's a psychologist and we always have these super just insightful, deep conversations. And I've been wanting to record one for several years now. So I'm glad I finally get to do it. And we kind of go all over the place and it takes us a second to get warmed up. We haven't, we haven't talked for, it's been quite a while. So we kind of had to break the ice, get caught up, get into our monkey flow. But I think there's some real gems that come out in this conversation. And we're talking about stress and anxiety, which had been brought up several episodes back. And I specifically wanted to talk to him about that. We talk about stoicism. We talk a little bit about training and we go all over the place. So. I am really happy and wildly excited to introduce the wild man of the North, Earl. Here we go. 
the wild man of the north, Erland Unstad. Do I say your last name right? Pretty close. It's one of those names that is very Norwegian, so it would be pronounced Hunstad. Uh, Hunstad, right, right, right. The D is softer. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's really, it's really, it's one of those. It's very, very Norwegian, so it doesn't really make sense in other languages. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to give a quick little so Erland or as we've known him as Monkey Earl he's got a bunch of articles on the Monkey website Adventures with Earl he's a wild man he lives in the Arctic up in northern Norway on these beautiful islands called Lofoten hopefully I said that right as well but I've actually stayed at his house and he's just he's been uh, he's been an OG monkey from the start so we've been talking about doing a podcast for like Years almost so uh, stoked to record something. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah! So we we kind of we kind of started the podcast before I hit record. But how old is your son? Uh, he's two and a half, uh, just about. Okay. And, um, yeah. So we were talking about uh, just training as now that we're both dads and. Your statement was something along the line. Well, I'm just going to let you repeat it. Your statement was something along the lines of how you you still train, well, but I still train and work out, but I just have to be very efficient with my time. Right. Yeah. What do you um What are you doing specifically? Well, as, as I told you, I have a little bit of a shoulder injury for the time being, so uh, my overhead work is uh, is lagging a bit. But I used to do a lot of like. Uh, in the case of being efficient, I did a lot of like uh, push-ups, and um, and I'm working on my uh, my handstand push-ups. Oh, nice! And uh, I've been doing yeah, I've been doing a lot of like uh, I use the monkey bars a lot, of course, and uh, it's been a lot of like the shoulder exercises there, pulling exercises, and uh, I'm also really turning into a fan of the ISO core. Oh, nice! Okay, yeah. So I used to, what I'm trying to use the ISO course that um I had that one I have in my office. So every time like in between meetings and, and uh, patients, I try to use the ISO core for a couple of minutes or just just run one of the exercises from the app. Okay, nice. What do you do? Do you like doing like the active rotation or do you like the ISO holds or the combo of both? Or what do you, what do you typically do if you're kind of I, I making would, something would, up? My favorite exercise so far been the payload pass okay. and, uh, and the, the rainbow uh, exercise. I forget the name completely, but uh, you know where you stand uh, facing away from the door and you hold that ISO core above your head and you turn to each side. Right. So it's just been like really, it's something about engagement of the, the abs and the, the back, and also just it's kind of like a stretch for against sitting. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. To yeah. me, to, to me, it almost and feels it, it like almost a vertical um, hollow body. Sometimes, you know, like you're going overhead, side to side. That that's what it reminded me of. Kind of this standing hollow body hold in a way. It is, and one of my goals. Has, uh, still is managing, uh, well, becoming good at the uh, handstands. I really got hooked on handstands a couple of years ago. Right. Well, I remember you were deep into gymnastics bodies. Are you, do you still do that at all? Or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of gymnastics bodies, it's, uh, it's just been uh, a little bit 
it, it can be really time efficient, but I'm kind of using uh, the monkey app for the time being because of this time efficiency. So, but I'm I'm doing uh, so I'm kind of like divided a little bit like the, the gymnastic bodies use uh, use the, the pulling strength, straight arm strength, and bent arm strength exercises. Okay. Yeah. So also, I just recently got a gym membership again, and uh, the, the reason is kind of like funny because like uh, I work as a clinical psychologist, and uh, where I work, we actually have a gym in the first floor, so we are at the second floor. So it's just so efficient going down, and um, I prefer doing like uh, weighted squats for like lower body exercises. I just find more satisfying doing uh, weighted lifts. So, uh, and I, it's one of those things, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a, I'm a squat person. I love doing squats. <laughs> My life feels kind of like me. There's missing something when I can't do a uh, back squat. Well, my uh, my college coach used to say a day without squats is like a day without sun. So I uh, I feel you, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a bad day with squats is still better than a good day without. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I'm going to take the sunshine metaphor there. It's, uh, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> so do you do – Um, how long have you been doing weighted barbell squats? And then what do you – are you doing any specific type of program or – What's the training look like? Uh, well, I've been for two years, just about, well, actually one and a half years. I was really committed to gymnastic bodies, uh, the online version there, and I had pretty good progress with it. Uh, I was following, especially the, um, there's like three stretch sessions. So there's the, the, the bridge session, the front squat and, and the middle squat. No, sorry, not squat, the middle uh, split and the uh, front split. So I was doing those. I was also training, well, my main thing has always been uh, martial arts and I've been doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Kramago. And uh, since I moved here to, uh, to Lufthansa, I haven't been doing Kramago anymore, but I've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a little bit. Okay. And I also started, uh, we also have like excellent, uh, gymnastics, uh, gymnastics, uh, place here. Oh, right. So, but it, yeah. So I've been training, so I started gymnastics for adults. It's, um, it's all, I, I guess, do you normally have like in the United States, like I used to live in Atlanta for a year. Right. For, uh, extension. So I, I was on the wrestling team. But I'm, I'm not sure if it's normal to have uh, gymnastics at school, if that's like a, uh, something you do on your spare time. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange because, you know, the U.S. you know has done well mm. in the gymnastics, but it's not like this, yeah. you know, it's, it's I don't remember really anyone that did it growing up. You know, maybe they did like a class when they were younger or something, but mm. in, at colleges, at the collegiate level, there's definitely gymnastics, but yeah, it's, yeah, that, it's strange. Yeah, that was, that was what I was thinking. It was like, I remember that, that was a big uh, culture change for me that everything was connected to your school when I, when I lived in Atlanta. That, that was a really big thing. It was like in Norway, it's just like uh, you, you join a team after school activities. Right, right. I remember you mentioned yeah. that before. Yeah. So that's one of the like, it's an interesting thing in Norwegian culture that um, it's a very active sports community and it's run by volunteers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
So the the, uh, the gym uh, or gymnastics is um it's run by volunteers. It's mainly like uh, kids, and uh, I also I'm uh, I became the trainer for my uh, my son. So I'm training people, uh, the kids for two to four years, with their parents. Okay, cool. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like an active play time in the gymnastics uh, arena. Okay. That, that's that's the only thing. We have an awesome gymnastics gym here in the Lofoten. That's kind of weird because it's just such a small place. But um, they have like a, a big gymnastics gym there, and they're doing pretty good nationally in gymnastics. Okay. Well, yeah, you guys also have one of the coolest soccer fields in the world out uh, just outside of Svolvar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, um, well, the thing is, the scenery is so great. So everything just turns yeah. cool. If you yeah. Put it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could put the, the most beautiful garbage dump in the world is, uh, is also. Actually, the garbage, the garbage dump is awesome. <laughs> yeah. One thing. Um, uh, one thing I've really been wanting to ask you for a while now is mm-hmm. I did a podcast, I don't know, it's probably a month ago now, but you know, I, the title was stress and anxiety and I was just, I was really having trouble sleeping and it was just kind of feeling overwhelmed with the company and just life in general. And, um, you know, it was interesting putting this podcast out. I just kind of did it off the cuff mm-hmm. and there was a really big response and then a lot of people shared these tips and tactics and ideas for, you know, how they were dealing with different stresses and anxieties in their life and just, just really how they were training their mind to kind of, to deal with this stuff. And I've been wanting to ask you what, what do you tell people? Cause I don't, I, I don't know your exact position, but I know you're a psychologist. So maybe you could describe that and then talk about. Yeah. The, it, it might be, it might be actually just, wise to describe the difference because um, as a clinical psychologist in Norway, you kind of have like, uh, it's pretty long it's, it's a college uh, college education, or university we call the university, I'm sometimes confused between the difference there but it's about six, it's a six year education to become a clinical psychologist in Norway it's kind of similar to uh, an MD here in Norway, Okay. but we work we work mainly in, in the mental health field and uh, what, what I specialized in after after college or during college is um, cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, metacognitive therapy. And I've been working, my, my career started at uh, working with uh, obsessive compulsive disorders, OCD. And that is considered an anxiety disorder. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so the clinic I used to work in, the, in the time connected to the university was like, um, anxiety and depression clinic. So that's what I mainly have been working on. So these days, uh, I mainly work with, um, uh, people with panic disorder and social phobia. Okay. Yeah. So, but we, we do see a lot of anxiety and people with anxiety problems. So, and, um, it's always a little bit hard as for me to like just give tips because like it's a little bit of a difference. Like the people I usually see are uh, they they have really severe problems with it. So there's always this like line from giving tips to people that are are uh, are stressed, high scientists, 
but are in the normal range where most people I meet are in the, the range of having a having a big problem in their life. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that made sense. My uh, usually my English turns a little bit more southern after a while when I when I start speaking, <laughs> and uh, it, it usually turns it becomes more fluent and better after a while. Right. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like you know, I think what I was experiencing, and I think what a lot of other monkeys were experiencing, was more of this. Mm. It's it was it wasn't pathological. It was no, more. That's the word. That was the word I was looking for. Okay. Like I think. What, what you were talking about, I actually thought your podcast was great. Uh, I tried to listen to it most of the time. And uh, I think, I mean, you give good tips. Uh, I, I usually, sometimes I give different kind of uh, tips. And there's, there's a little bit of a line because, like, people that actually need therapy, uh, they don't really need tips, they actually need therapy, where there's a lot of life strategies and changing your behavior. But uh, the general thing is that. Uh, I think a lot of people, and this is a little bit, it's one of those things, it's hard explaining generally in a podcast because, like, I usually have to, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, conceptions people have or concepts people have that you kind of have to challenge, you have to do this in a Socratic uh, dialogue style. And, uh, but a lot of the things people believe about stress might be exaggerated a bit. So being stressed, people have a tendency to think it's really, really dangerous. And uh, it might be the fact that you believe it's dangerous makes it a, a lot more hard to deal with because you get so focused on, on getting away from the stress. But that is kind of where it turns into problem because you get stressed by being stressed. Right. Right. I don't. I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of like what I would in therapy call it's a metaphysician about dangers of stress, and uh, a lot of people are trying to avoid natural responses from the body, and that is usually kind of like it's, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, the natural energies pop up there, so a lot of the time, avoiding stress becomes so stressful that we just it, that's really what what hits you. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, um, I just finished the obstacles, the way I just finished. Oh, it's a very, it's a very stoic way of being. Oh yeah. It's, about. it's <laughs> what, what I'm hearing you say is stoicism for sure. Yeah. For those a little bit nerdy and interested, I would recommend the book, uh, uh, anxiety and depression, treat, um, metacognitive therapy for anxiety and depression by Adrian Wells, the British guy. And uh, we have a lot of like success working with those kind of theories there, and those are those are actually quite stoic, probably more stoic than uh, the the more classical CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. But I think it's interesting that like stoicism has gained a lot of like uh, popularity lately, and I think it's great. Looks like it's, it's pretty good advice. <laughs> but it's kind of funny because like it's. it's uh, Cognitive behavioral therapy has been based on kind of like a stoic attitude and, uh, and philosophy, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been super yeah, interesting yeah. seeing how, mm. I think here in the States especially, there's there's it's like this polarization where there's some people that they, they're really diving headfirst into stoicism and really embracing mm -hmm. the obstacle. And then there's kind of this other side 
or they're, you know, the stoic side is more in spray. They're embracing stress and challenges and all these things. And the other side is just yeah. seeking comfort kind of at any cost. Mm. So it's a, yeah. it's a really interesting dichotomy. Yeah. And I think, I think also it's, it's, um, it's always a little bit loaded for me to talk about this things because like, like I, I do list a lot like American podcast. And I, as I said, I have lived in the United States. I can't understand the culture of it. And uh, the culture has very many similarities, but still is a big difference there. And, uh, what's those things is like, we, we become more and more sin. Like we, we I, I would say like Norway is kind of like the 50 uh, second state or something because we're getting pretty similar to the United States. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I think we easily get friends, but the, the culture divide is not that big, but it's interesting that we get, we used to be a little bit more, Rugged. I mean, we used to be like <laughs> So, and, uh, I think, I think have like the frontiers attitudes that you used to have more in the United States probably was more stress reducing in many ways because like you just embraced the stress there. But this is also one of those points you can't like, you can't give this as a general, uh, general hit to people or general advice because like a lot of people actually are uh, are under so much stress, like they could, it could be financial, it could be like they're threatened by violence and stuff. So there's a lot of things you have to like, uh, like check out first there. But in general, avoiding stress is one of those things that makes you very stressed. That's a, that's, that's the, the quote of the day right there. It's, uh, <laughs> and again, that's what all these, these books I keep seeing. Oh, it's like, I don't know if it was, it's just coincidence or what happened, but there's all these books I've been reading. They're all saying basically the same thing. And I thought mm. Sapiens, I can't, I can't pronounce that author's name, but the author of Sapiens, I thought he did a really good job of articulating Buddhism specifically and how it was kind of the desire, what you're saying, the desire to be stress-free is what creates suffering in a way. So Again, mm-hmm. I, I've said this on multiple podcasts now, but you got check that book out. It's it's. I thought it was quite. Have you read that? Yeah, it's a great book. I've read all his books actually. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't read Homo uh, Deus, you have something to look forward to. Oh yeah, it's um. I I actually reread it. Kind of the parts mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, but. Mm. So, but uh, another thing is, it's um. Have you read? Nicholas Nassim Taleb. You know, I haven't, and we, I, I've been wanting, I've been meaning to actually for quite a while. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, I enjoy his books and, um, uh, there, there's, he, he's one of those people that is controversial, so you can discuss him a lot. And, um, but his books are pretty good. And especially the first one, um, Fooled by Randomness. I think, because uh, it, it's mainly about like the way the cognitive uh, fallacy feels, like how much stuff we misinterpret it as humans, and um, that's also just really interesting. That was like my favorite subject in uh, in uh, in college was the cognitive fallacy, the, the science of like how we actually misjudge stuff. So how we ra- many people think it's how irrational we are, but it's just like how predictably irrational we actually are. <laughs> <laughs> so well, one of those things is one of those things like this is something as a therapist I, I often find is that people 
spend a lot of time making fantasies about how stuff should be when it isn't like it is, they want it to be. And that, of course, is just natural as human nature. But we do have a little bit of a choice of how much time we're going to spend doing that because, like, a lot of the time, if you, if you spend too much time ruminating, thinking about, like, how life is going going the wrong way, it usually doesn't help that much. Right. Well, it's the whole, there's always, there's been that saying where it's like worrying never helps. Right. So, and I, I think that's what I was experiencing. I was experiencing this deep rumination. I'd wake up at one or two in the morning and I would just start thinking about the same thing over and over in this kind of circular thought pattern that I couldn't break out of, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's also like most of my patients that like are anxiety people, people with anxiety, they always have this feeling where like, I can't control, I can't control this rumination. But the interesting part is that usually you're motivated to ruminate or to worry about stuff to actually find out how I'm going to solve these problems. And uh, a lot of the times the problems are, are uh, they're kind of like, you're just kind of like shooting yourself in the foot because like the problem is that you're worrying that much and you're trying to find a way how to stop worrying. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, so it's more like, one of my best advice ever is just like actually find stuff to focus on that you actually enjoy doing or should be doing. And, uh, and, and general advice, like keeping in shape, uh, being outside in daylight. Uh, also what is around the, the field of books? Did you ever read why we sleep by Matthew Walker? You know, I listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast, but I have not read oh, yeah, his that, book. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's good enough. Like that, okay. <laughs> Joe Rogan's podcast was awesome. He, he's on a couple other podcasts. I enjoyed him on the Bulletproof Radio podcast. Okay, I thought that was kind of like funny because like he's he's kind of putting Dave Ashbury in his place there, so that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But uh, his uh, his book Why We Sleep is is also one of those things that like. It's, it's a it's a bad habit not to sleep, and there's a lot we can do about getting back into those like more natural rhythms. So sleep is one of the best stress reducers ever, and a lot of people listening to this kind of vibe was, ah, but I'm trying to sleep, I can't do it yet, and that's kind of the problem. You're trying too hard. So one of those things is like really stop trying, just kind of like whatever happens actually did happen. So. Whenever you start trying not to change how you're feeling, usually the body starts changing itself. So one of the reactions we have to stress is like we're trying to reduce it. And if you kind of think of stress as the body's alarm, it will make more sense that when you're trying to shut down the alarm, the only thing the body can respond with is increasing the alarm. Right, right. Yeah. That makes total so sense. It's a wishes circle. So... One thing I noticed, I've been to Norway twice now and Mm -hmm. you guys are a very like even keeled society in the sense of like, everyone is kind of like mellow Mm -hmm. and it's just uh, even keeled. What culturally creates that? Like why, why are Norwegians mellow and have more of that stoic attitude? Well, I I think one thing, and this is a very important point is, it's easier to be that way in Norway because, like, the economy is pretty good, and uh, we have um, uh, mo- most people. I, I mean, most people have it, have enough money. I think 
you can never take away money from the equation. So if you actually are hustling for your next meal, it's really hard being mellow. That, that's just, this is a really important point. So, right. but, uh, yeah, but another thing is like this, it was this, uh, this pro Norwegian, uh, television program I was watching and it, it's kind of interesting because like it's about what is special about Norway. So they do, they have this right law of statistics about Norwegians. And one of the interesting things is that in, um, if you ask people around the globe, I think they don't love this study. It's like this, they ask, how much do you trust the other people? Norway scored the highest for internal trust in each other. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm just going to give you an example that's really interesting. There was this Norwegian lady that got arrested in, uh, when she was in um, vacation in the United States. And she didn't do anything really wrong, but what she actually did was put her um, um, baby stroller outside and went in to buy coffee without anyone watching it and stuff like that. And that's totally normal to do in Norway, but people reacted to that she just left her child there and called on, called, uh, called on the police and she was arrested. That's great. You know, that's, uh, that's something I've actually thought about a lot the last couple of years because there mm. was there, there was this crazy trend of people like parents calling the cops or on other parents or just random people, you know, and, um, oftentimes it was highly unwarranted. And there was even, I know Utah passed some laws that kind of helped protect both parents. And then this kind of making sure kids could kind of remain free range for lack of a better word. And I think there was even something where someone, someone shut down a lemonade stand. It was literally kids at a lemonade stand, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know so, this lady called the cops or something, so it's it's wild. But I think I think it's like you will have a lot of places in the United States that's really similar to like just people trust each other, and it's it's like a the is like a big neighborhood. Right. You can just imagine the whole the whole country is pretty much a big neighborhood. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting that most Norwegians trust each other. So it's. It's actually, uh, if you really, if you really want to do a Ponzi scheme or something, I think Norwegians are a target. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, but what, like, where is the, tr- where does that come from? Is that what created that? The, the thing I actually is kind of thinking is that since it's, um, it's a pretty equal country, I mean, it's, it, you can it's not really a problem making money or starting businesses in Norway. Uh, raised by uh, the UN, it's, it's a pretty good place to do those things. But we do have like a more, there's a lot of like distribution of, of wealth in Norway. So it makes people a little bit more equal. And I think we, we have a really efficient government. The, mm-hmm. people, the interesting part is that luckily if you ask Norwegians to trust the government, and most people say, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> we will be annoyed by the government and we will we'll complain about it. But if you, if you just put the gun to our head and said, "You trust me to save you," yes, I'd probably say so, the same uh, if there was a gun. <laughs> well, even 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 I, I would trust if someone else came with a gun. I would trust the government to come save me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, it's just like it's it's a it is a strange place because like it's it's such a it's such a mellow and peaceful kind of place right yeah so but i mean the the, fun, the interesting part is that we do have i mean we do have a the regular 
anxiety and depressions and stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm not over uh, I'm not over work yet. Right. I kind of like joke that as long as the suffering is still there, I still have a job. Right. <laughs> so the day I can't the day I can't work is a is a day of celebration. <laughs> true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. But, but also it's, it's a lot of like most Norwegians are a little bit like more nature connected. I think the national hobby is uh, day hiking. Like most people will think of a good spent weekend is uh, going up in the forest or going up in the mountains. Uh, kind of like what we did when you were here. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, stuff like fishing, hunting, and, uh, and foraging is pretty popular hobbies. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's in also one of those things, just the general connection to nature is there. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's also a low crime place. There's not a lot of crime in Norway. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's one thing here I noticed that it's interesting here, you know, I live right outside of Boulder and, you know, the mountains are basically, we're actually going to move to a new place this fall and, you know, it's like there's a trail 50 yards that mm-hmm. leads, you know, that literally you could go for hundreds of miles without crossing a road through these front range mountains and it's, um, it's something that we do as a family all the time and I also get out on my own and I noticed that there's just you just feel differently. It's so much different going for a run out in the woods and the mountains than it is around my neighborhood even versus even mm-hmm. running on a treadmill inside. It's kind of like the lower, the low bottom rung of the pyramid would be like the treadmill inside. And then go running around the neighborhood is like a little bit nicer, but then getting out into that true wilderness, that's, it's just, it's such a different feeling that is extremely hard to articulate, but you certainly know it when you're there and, yeah, but I totally understand what you mean. I, I can't, I can't run the treadmill anymore. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I yeah. agree hundred percent. Although I did use, I recently tried one of those, um, like the true form where it's, it's, it doesn't really, you have to power it yourself. Yeah. It, I haven't tried, I've been, I've been wanting to try one of those. It's actually, you know, I, I'll, I, I'm going to run outside any day. Absolutely mm. over that if I had the choice, but I just, it happened to be a day where I was inside and I tried it out and man, that thing jacks you up. Your hamstrings get smoked. Mm. Well, I should, I should try one of those someday. Huh? I, I mean, like where I live is, as I said, it's across, it's uh, in the Arctic. So, um, right now I'm waiting to walk my dog after this podcast because it, it was just a blizzard outside. So oh, it's wow. like a little bit uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but that's just the daily. Like you get used to it. So we actually had like uh, this week. Uh, we had like uh, yeah, during the last two weeks, we had about six feet of snow or something. Oh wow! It's, uh, it, it's been it's been humongous. So well, one thing I also want to ask you is, you know, when kind of the first time I came out to your place, so that was February, 2017, Wim Hof was kind of just starting to get popular or at least become more mass market. Yeah. But was doing that type of cold exposure and especially, you know, jumping in the ocean and then going in the sauna, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. especially up in Norway and the other Scandinavian countries that you guys have been doing that for years. Yeah. If if you, 
if you have, if you go to Finland, Finland is one of those countries that like, even though Scandinavia kind of like sometimes gets like it's a synonymous place, everybody is similar. Norway and Sweden are more similar, and then we have Finland that's just weird. Sorry, Finnish monkeys. We can't consider Finland or like cousins. We don't understand. <laughs> we love them, of course, but we don't understand them. <laughs> so, okay, fair but, enough. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think one thing I love about Finnish culture is that, like, even even like a, a dorm room will have a sauna. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like the most populated sauna place in the world. So everybody needs, I, I think if you're going to like just rent a room somewhere, or like if students rent a room, I think they, they kind of have to have availability of a sauna. I think that's a demand they would push there. <laughs> so the, the Finnish are really, they really, they use a lot of the saunas. And, um, they also do like they pretty much have the thing that they sit in the sauna and they run out in the snow, and it's also pretty Norwegian thing to do. It's okay. more popular in in Finland, but it's uh, it's pretty Norwegian also. And uh, I think one of the fun part was that was I was really interested in Wim Hof. Remember, I, I took you hopping when you were here. Oh yeah, we did some hopping. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the fun part is that like one of the uh, one of the Older people I worked with, she um, she was a psychiatrist, and uh, she recently passed away from uh, from cancer. But she'd been she'd been um, uh, ice skating in the in the ocean, pretty much her whole life. Oh wow! Yeah, and she she got pretty old and she had really aggressive cancer. But she was like. I think this is just an impression on me. This is an anecdote, another, another proof. But she had a, she's been declared almost dead like five times. She rebounded and like, even though the cancer had spread and everything, she, she, she kept coming back and she still continued until she died with that bathing in the, the ocean. <laughs> so, so, and she really said, this is what keeps me alive. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and they kind of like, they have, I think the most interesting part is that a lot of like, um, a lot of women around in Lofoten have this women's club where they go, uh, go bathing in the, in the ocean during the winter. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, been, it's been pretty popular in Norway. I, I bathing for a long time. I think it's just, my, my idea is that you have, have to have something to do in the winter. Right. <laughs> so why not? Right. So for me, for me, the Wim Hof method was really just like I thought it was all fun. The whole concept is kind of like interesting and fun, but it really was something to do in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. Um. You know, it became. Well, when, we, when I was out there, it became a whole, not a whole day's activity, but certainly it could become a couple hours, no problem. And then even up at the yeah. surf camp as well, you know. Hmm. Yeah, we had a, I think, remember, uh, like, I, I lived in a, um, in a sea cottage at the time you were there, so we just jumped, jumped from my, uh, from my living room, actually. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty cold when you were here, because I think it's like, what was that, like, minus 15, uh, Celsius? It was. We had a lot of, like, you know, we had to, we had to, like, poke hole in the ice. Uh, and I even in the ocean park there. 
Yeah, it was no joke. It, you know, in Colorado, like it, it was cold here. I think I checked one time the temp in Colorado is actually colder than Norway, but there's just so much more moisture in the air there. It just it bites so much harder up there. It's a very dry climate here, but man, up there it's like mm. that I was cold the whole time. I was there. Yeah, also also the wind there it's uh it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My hometown of Boulder is called the city in the wind. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's in the same latitude as Lofoten. Um, as it's just on the mainland, not on the island. But they, we have this joke that people from Buda, whenever we get off the plane in, for example, Oslo or uh, southern part of Norway, we just pull over because we can't support ourselves without the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the wind makes, makes a lot of difference because, like, if you have, like, a uh, zero degrees temperature and when you have like so much so much wind that could feel like minus 10 degrees right 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 yeah you know my i was watching randomly on netflix with my wife it's uh i don't really want to admit this but i am it was it's the goop lab gwyneth paltrow's Oh, yeah, I, I'm not something. admitting, but I have seen that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was like, oh, Christ, shit, I got to admit this now. But um, I'm still denying it. Yeah, it was, well, it was, you know what? It was the Wim Hof, it was the Wim Hof episode. And just for the record, I think Wim's awesome. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I love Wim. I think the Wim Hof, Wim Hof method is awesome. So check him out if you haven't heard of him. But what, what I kind of, watching it on that particular show, it was like, I was seeing all these people that, I suspect do not have a strong connection to nature and what, mm-hmm. what the Wim Hof method. And then also just kind of that Finnish culture, Norwegian culture of the sea bathing and getting out in the cold. It's a way it's kind of a systematic way of experiencing nature and getting out to nature. Whereas like, you know, here the kind of, I'd say the equivalent in Colorado, especially is kind of like mountain climbers or climbers where, these people are going out to a super high altitude, you know, 14,000 feet, which would be above mm-hmm. 3000 meters, you know, in the winter time. And even in summertime, I've been snowed on. So you get this environmental yeah. conditioning element. It's just the medium is different. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think it's also one of those things that I find interesting about the way most method. And this is not, as you said, I think it's an awesome method, but I think a lot of people, the people that get the most from it is probably like the, the newly wild people. Right. There's a, lot of experience, yeah, there's a lot of experience. Like I think I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to try to make this a quick, but funny story is that when I started doing this, uh, the Wim Hof method is back by three, uh, three years ago or something like that. I was trying to like immerse myself in the cold exposure. And I was, um, Lowering down the, I was turning down the dial on, on, on in my shower to cold, and I just turned it all the way down to, to that the max cold, like that told the blue line there. I was standing in the shower, it's like you're supposed to. I was following the um, the online course, and it's supposed to be like first it's thirty seconds, the next week it's a minute, and the next week after there is two minutes. And I, I was struggling with one minute. I was like, man, this is, uh, I can't take this. And I'm a Viking. I think it's also. So my, yeah, I, I got a little bit hurt. And I was was searching the Wim Hof group on Facebook for some advice, and I kept kept popping up like people. Yeah, I just did five minutes. I'm like, man, why can't I do this? And the next day, 
this was the fun part is I suddenly had no water because uh, the pipes had frozen. That was when I realized I haven't checked this climate these people are in. And most of the other people were in like Indonesia or uh, <laughs> you know, like San Francisco <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> so what I hadn't, what I forgot to think about was, was my actual water temperature. And my actual water temperature was, was broken pipes cold. <laughs> so, oh, well, yeah, so your water coming out of your shower is probably 33 degrees. And in San Francisco, it's like 55, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just didn't calculate those days. I just just felt bad. <laughs> oh my my pride would hurt. <laughs> so that was when I realized I probably was overdoing it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and don't take advice from from southerners. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was that was just the fun part that like I didn't I didn't think about like what was I doing. So when I figured out that like I think it's um. It, it's, it's recommended in the Wim Hof to start, like the cold is defined by below, uh, below 16 uh, Celsius. Uh, I'm not sure what that is in, um, in uh, Fahrenheit, but uh, it, it's tolerable cold. Oh, yeah. I think that's maybe around, yeah, yeah. I want to say, I can look it up here. It's 16, 16 Celsius to Fahrenheit is... Oh wow, it's sixty degrees. That's yeah. That's like that's casual. That's casual. So, but that's the, like the recommended at least starting point for most people. I think most people actually feel that it's pretty cold because, like, they usually when they shower, they probably use like twice the temperature. Right. Yeah. So. So and it's also running colder is a lot. Feels a lot colder than sitting in uh, spilling uh, in cold water. So taking an ice bath is somewhat easier than than taking a cold shower if you have cold enough water in your pipes. Right, right. Yeah. So, but I think one of those like experiences people have is that it it, it really turns on your like your system. It, it, it's um when you talk about stress reactions, cold temperatures are pretty. Dream stress reaction is painful. It's a very good indicator of how much pain you can take. Also, so so just the experience of that you survived, I think, is just is just awesome for people that haven't tested it out. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, so you I, kind of like, yeah. You, please continue. Sorry. So, sorry, just go on. Yeah, please continue. No, no, yeah, yeah. I, I think just think that like you kind of feel so much more alive and. You kind of like tap into that potential of human beings when you actually do those things. Like, how much can you actually take? So, that's also an interesting part of like, I think that the stress reduction in the Wim Hof method is actually experienced that you can take a lot more than what you talk. Right. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they don't realize what they're capable of for sure, whether it's mm-hmm. pain tolerance or endurance or strength or just mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a great it's a great exercise, the cold exposure to develop that. And then you get to jump in the sauna after it's great. Yeah. Great. So yeah. And it's also the, they have the breathing part in Wim Hof that I think it's, um, it's one of those things you get a little addicted to it because like, it's about the, um, the retention time, like how, how long time can you hold your breath on an exhale. And, uh, it, it's one of those things you get, you get surprised when you first start experimenting with those things, like how long can you actually hold your breath? Right. You know, I, I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I got, I've been into the last maybe two or three months is the nasal only breathing, especially when doing mm-hmm. 
um, whether it's going for a run or kind of doing more of a high intensity session. And it's, it's crazy how I feel like I can go like 80 to 90% of intensity, but I, mm. the way I feel, I, it feels easier. It's, it's really strange. Um, it kind of helps control my heart rate and I've really, I haven't spoken too much on it yet. Cause I really, I want to explore it more and learn more, but I, I noticed you, almost you an immediate to, difference. Yeah. You should try the interview. Like you should try to get Scott Carney that wrote the book, uh, what doesn't kill us on the podcast someday. Right. Scott, yeah. Scott Carney for listening. <laughs> give me a call. Yeah. I think you should just give him a call because like his new book, The Wedge, is going to have like, um, going to have a lot of info both those things to the nasal breathing part. Like, uh, he's been working with oxygen advantage people. I think, I think those are really interesting if you haven't touched on those. I think Brian McKenzie has been working with the oxygen advantage people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brian McKenzie's yeah. super, he's deep into that as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of like the next frontier. Yeah, but all of those things are really interesting. I, I find I find playing around with those things is really it's really cool. So especially the nasal owner breeding, it's like I've been when I do kettlebells or monkey monkeying, I, I usually try only nasal breeding. So yeah, it's uh again, it was the challenge I have is it's so dry here. I'll get mm-hmm. when I first start doing it, my nose gets dried out, and then I get like an excessively runny nose, so I have to blow it, and then once you know, the, after the first minute or two, I can, I can maintain it. But other than that, it's been, um, and I, the, the reason why I started, I was listening to, it might've been Brian McKenzie on the ready state podcast, which is hosted by Kelly Starrett. And he was talking about how they had one of these, I think it was the girl from, uh, Australia, Tia, I can't remember her last name, but she's won the CrossFit games and she, she's an Olympic weightlifter, like literally at the Olympic level. And then also has this crazy endurance and work capacity. I mean, she's just a specimen, but, uh, mm. they were talking about how I think it was her that they had her switch to that. And it really helped improve her just from getting her heart rate. So jacked so fast. So I, I've found it to be quite useful. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in those things. Like, I, I think one of the things I just got interested in that I managed was that I think Googled, why is my nose stuffy all the time? <laughs> 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 so, and then I felt like this exercise to unblock the nose, and I was like, oh man, this is really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's also just a lot of these things, like I love the Wim Hof method, the managers things and things. It's a, so we started talking a little bit about bad life and how we just have to be very efficient about things. But you also kind of have to find new hobbies that you can do while taking care of a child. And uh, and uh, it's also one of those things you're just playing around with, like just being awake and playing around with your kids. So that's one thing I try to do a lot of like uh, activities where I can take Jacob, my son, with me. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Hiking, you know, mm. she, I think I'm really psyched this summer to go do some backpacking trips, hiking, yeah. maybe some climbing and it's just, you know, just having fun playing. You know, that was one thing for me. I, I wanted to train a little bit less or at least have more energy so that I didn't come home and I was just exhausted and didn't play with the wildcat. You know, I want to have that energy and you know, you still, you're still moving, you're on the floor, you're running, you know, it's still, you're active. And I think if your mind is right about it, you're, you're going to get 
benefits as well. So I think that was that was actually how we connected because like I think uh, I actually saw there was in a Norwegian newspaper there were some people that have tested like gym equipment and they had ordered your the first monkey bars the OG monkey bars from uh, Kickstarter. Okay. And uh, yeah, and they had like made a little like uh, like. Uh, a case where they, they used it and like wrote about them. I was like, oh man, those look so cool. That's, that's when I ordered those. And uh, I also put them on my Instagram profile. So I think that you answered uh, on the Instagram profile or something like that. Yeah, that's no. That's how I connected with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So also the, the first, one of the things was just like the portability of them was so awesome. That's one, one thing I was looking for in what I'm doing these days because like, I'm a I'm a gadget freak. Uh, I love everything about like gadgets for working out, training gadgets and stuff like that. But uh, I probably should put like a um, like give my credit card to my wife or something so she could take care of it. <laughs> so I don't buy a lot of those stuff. But I, th- I think all of them are so fun. But the monkey bars is probably the things I use the most. Although they're similar to uh, gymnastic rings, they are a lot more portable. So that, that's like the big thing. The gymnastic things are pretty portable. But I think the pocket monkeys, like you can literally put it in your pocket. Oh, yeah. That's been one of those things. Yeah. I, I have been traveling a lot with work, with like going on seminars and classes and teaching. So a lot of hotel gyms just aren't really good equipment or <laughs> pretty boring. And so actually working out from my room has been like the thing I've been doing there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So kind, kind of like, yeah, and it's been awesome. So kind of like going a little bit back to what you can do to like reduce stress and stuff like that. But a lot of people keep forgetting that working out actually is inducing stress to the body. But the kind of stress you kind of want so the body adapts to it. And it's also take, really good of taking your mind away, like focusing on, on practice and stuff like that. It's a really good way to to elevate your mood and stuff like that. And I also find uh, training stuff like handstands, things like that, is just it's a very, you need to focus on those things. Right. Well, and that's, you know, that was yeah. one thing I really appreciated about rock climbing when I was doing that a lot more. Uh, you know, you're in these situations that oftentimes are dangerous, but they're also extremely physically taxing. So your mind becomes just laser focused. There's no external chatter or anything like that. So I, that's one thing mm-hmm. I really, and you know, you would achieve these amazing flow states from time to time where, you know, you'd be working extremely hard, but it almost felt easy and the danger became almost irrelevant in a way. So yeah, I do, I do miss those, those days on the rock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel the similar connections. Like I used to, I, I'm still, still into martial arts i just realized that i can't do it all the time and also like i'm a clinical psychologist so i do meet a lot of people that might have been experienced violence and stuff like that so i used to do mma but you do get all these bruises and blue eyes and stuff and it just it's just not bad it's just bad for business not right, right. <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah, but it used to be like one of those things. When the, the slight experience of control danger is just really, it's just really energetic. So when when other guys are trying to hit you hard in the head, you just kind of sharpen up. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. sharpen up real quick. Yeah. 
So and, and, um, I also enjoyed doing. I did for some time. I did so Filipino martial arts, with uh, sword fighting and knife fighting, and that is also another edge to the sharpness because like getting hit by you usually use sticks but getting hit by a stick hurts a lot more than getting hit by someone's hand <laughs> i believe you yeah yeah that's one of the fun parts well uh do you have any final words of wildness and or wisdom for the monkeys well, I'm, I'm not going to give that much wisdom. I'm trying to gather it myself. So, but, like, I think part of what drew, like, how me and you connected was, like, the draw for a while, kind of, like, just spending time in nature. And, and I think since we met the first time, I think this is the path I've been walking about. And um, I got really into forging at some point. Like, I started, uh, we have a lot of, like, Norwegian bluebirds are really, really good, especially because they grow across the Arctic Circle. So they have a really small window of growth in the summer. So that's one thing I like. I, I enjoyed, really enjoyed just spending time outside picking blueberries. And um, in the uh, in the fall, I started like uh, foraging for mushrooms. That's also been really funny. It's just interesting learning about those things. So I, I just enjoy spending time in nature. I think. I think most people would appreciate it. You don't have to do a lot. It's just actually staying outside. And, um, yeah, bring your monkey bars. Right, right. Good words, man. (laughs) Good words. Well, the last thing I'll say is, you know, I remember when we first talked, one of the things I thought was so cool was how you intentionally had moved to Lafutin or mm. to live wilder and to be just more adventurous and spend more time in nature. And I, th- I always really appreciated that about you. Yeah. That's kind of like, it's funny you said that because like now it's just become so, so much taken nature to me that I don't really think about this. Because I used to be like a city boy. So, and, uh, I wouldn't come, like, I'm, I'm starting doing stuff like camping uh, and, uh, fishing and I'm probably going to start hunting in a couple of years and okay. uh, enjoying those things but um, mainly just staying outside in nature um, especially the way we live that, that to say that you can go day hiking like if you actually just get home from work very quickly you can just bring your food and get out in the mountains and spend time there well I'm going to let those words of wildness wrap this up thanks for it's been too long, man. We got to do it again. Thank you for coming on the yeah. Wild or Die podcast. Well, I'm loving hearing from you, and um, hopefully we'll uh, get a good response. So maybe we could have another chat like this. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, live wild, man, and we'll talk later. Live wild, my man. <laughs> <laughs>